Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Left corner to O'Neal. He's going to fire again and hit. They're leaving Royce O'Neal on their rotation, and Royce astutely taking advantage. Van Vliet on a handoff trailing. Finds Boucher at the rim. Whiteside blocked it from behind. Jazz the other way, five on four. O'Neal down the lane. Finger roll layup is good. Rudy Gates, another look past to Clarkson. Ball fakes a three, drives to his right. They know it. So he squirrels back to his left and fires the three and tickles the twine. Wow! Highlights from the Jazz game is they beat Toronto back on November 18th. The rematch in Toronto doesn't sound like it's going to be much of a rematch. Joe Ingles is out. He's in COVID and health and safety protocols. Now Rudy Gobert has joined him in COVID health and safety protocols. So they're down two guys right there. It's a back-to-back. They're playing the Pacers Saturday. Mike Conley doesn't usually play back-to-backs. He has a couple times this year, but mostly he is not. They're listing him uh, as out with right knee injury recovery. So no surprise there that he's missing the game. Now Donovan Mitchell listed as out with a lower uh, left lower back strain. Bojan Bogdanovic listed as out with a left middle finger sprain. Meanwhile, Royce O'Neal questionable, Hassan Whiteside questionable, Jordan Clarkson questionable, and Rudy Gay questionable. Now if you're thinking, wait a minute, that sounds like the Jazz rotation. You'd be right. And, of course, looming over all of this is it's international travel. If you leave the country, if you test positive for COVID, how quickly do you get back in? Is a player left behind while the team goes on to play other games? And then how does that work? And so if you got guys who are out, then they could just go straight to Indiana and wait for the team. So if this looks like what Yak has labeled here a Spartan group, that's very Greek of you, very... Well, isn't it? I was going to go with the JV team, but I'm simple. I'm not a JV literary giant too. like yourself. JV team works too, A though. Spartan group. Let's see what the Athenians think of that. Let's see what Doak and company are. Are they playing Michigan State? What is it a Spartan group? Okay, San Jose State. Give me more Spartans. Ready, go. Daniel Howell signed to a 10-day contract. I'll bet Daniel gets to go to Toronto. Yeah, he's on, <laughs> he's on the trip. And Daniel will get to play. Probably. This is, you know, we can sit here and laugh and say, ah, oh, yeah. but for a lot of guys, this is their shot. They've had the dream. They have either haven't been in the NBA, they've been in the G League, or they like house, they've been in and out of the NBA. Maybe they've been in the NBA for a while and now they're out. And this is your shot. Go play well. Jerry Sloan, man, there's 29 other teams looking. They're all watching. So bring it. I would assume the Jazz get beat tonight, but you never know. It's certainly going to be a very watered-down lineup. Jazz and Raptors tonight, and then I would expect most of the guys are back for the Jazz and Pacers game tomorrow. Not Joe and Rudy. I don't think they're out. Although, Joe at five days, he's coming up on it, so I don't know if he plays Saturday, but maybe he's back Monday, depending on how he's doing. You know, he, he does our show every week, and he always gets back to us, and on a rare occasions that he doesn't do the show one week, and those are very rare occasions, maybe once a year, we usually know he's not going to. We usually know why. In this case, I think we know why. But he didn't even get back to Yawk. So it's just COVID protocol. It's been a complete blackout. So, 
All right, there you go. Jazz, they got the 10-game road winning streak, but it uh, seems like the odds are long tonight. In a weird way, though, it makes it more interesting. I want, to see, I want to see what the heck happens tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Rebound grabbed by Adams. Grizzly starting to pull away. Morant into the front court. Downhill at Trey Lyles. Hangs. What a move. Floats and scores. Right, left, and Trey Lyles was left hugging air while Morant floats it up and in. Chris Paul with a block. by Chris Paul driving to the basket, and CP3 comes away with it. CP3 wants a three, and that one's good. Straight away as he brought it up, called his own number, and drilled it. Herb Jones up top. Ingram steps into a straightaway three. Got it. It's about time, baby. Here we go. Far sideline. Half court left. 1.5 to go. Tie game at 105. To Barrett. One dribble. Right wing three for the win. Baker is good. He banked it in. Barrett banked it in. And the Knicks have won the ball game at the buzzer. Knicks beat the Celtics at the buzzer. 108-105. Big fourth quarter for the Knicks. They win the last quarter 31-21. It's actually a big second half. 61-42. They dominated the second half. The Celtics had built an enormous lead. We're up by 18 at halftime. But they blow it, and they lose right at the end. The games that matter to Jazz fans the most, the two teams right in front of the Jazz, the Warriors and the Suns, both playing. Well, some of the Warriors were playing. Coming off a of 5 for 24, Steph Curry didn't play. So how big a problem was the quad? Is he missing shots because his legs don't feel good? Do they want to get him healthy? He doesn't play. And when Steph doesn't play, Draymond Green doesn't play. So the Warriors weren't really the Warriors as they go into New Orleans and get beat 101-96. Brandon Ingram, who had a very quiet night shooting the ball against the Jazz, 32 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and the Pelicans get the win over the Warriors. The Suns also played. They beat the Clippers soundly, 106-89, the final score. Uh, It was a blowout at halftime. The Suns had a 16-point lead. They win by 17. The... Suns are led by Cam Johnson, 24 points and 7 rebounds in that game. So the, the Clippers, of course, are just way shorthanded right now. I mean, Kawhi Leonard long-term, and now, now they're, they're playing weeks without Paul George here. So Marcus Morris Sr. led him with 26 points, but they didn't have enough juice to handle the Suns, who now have the NBA's best record. They improved to 30-8. and eight. They are a game in front of the Warriors and two games in front of the Jazz. And those three teams all have better records than the Bulls, who lead the East. Bulls are actually fourth in the East, uh, fourth in the NBA right now, 25-10. and 10. But the top three in the West are the top three in the league right now. NBA find the Sacramento Kings assistant general manager Wes Wilcox $15,000 and the team fifty dollars for violating league rules prohibiting team owners and executives from interacting with scorers table personnel during the game. The NBA said Wilcox left his seat to confront operations personnel at the scorers table about the handling of a clock procedure during the jump ball in the second half Sunday night and the Kings' victory over Miami. The league said the clock procedure at issue was administered correctly by the shot clock operator. So the assistant GM wanted to cheat. He wanted to do it wrong. You know, actually, there's the rules. Now, the unwritten rule in the NBA is they'd really prefer owners not be courtside. Because when you're in the luxury suite and you lose your mind, you're not in view of everyone immediately, right away. You're not close to the players. You're not close to the coaches. I mean, you can think back. There have been a a couple times, you know, Larry Miller interacted with a player and got fired or... The playoff game with the Nuggets where Larry went around to the end of the bench and was hollering at Jerry Sloan to get Carl Malone out. 
And when you're down there and you're competitive and you get fired up, well, you're in full view of the camera, you're in full view of the fans, the announcers, everybody. You're going to lose your mind because you're super competitive. And lots of these guys are, otherwise they wouldn't be billionaires and they wouldn't own teams. If you're not super competitive, take your billions, go buy an island, look at the palm trees and the waves. There's plenty of billionaires who do that. It's not like every billionaire owns a sports team. They really like you to be up in the luxury suite. Can you imagine Jerry Jones on the sideline for three hours during a Cowboys game? Oh, the cameras would have a field day with that. We'd all enjoy it. There's a reason Jerry's up high. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Wow, we actually had college basketball games. I mean, some of you have a problem getting into college basketball. It is, and when the games start being hit and miss, are they playing now? Are they not playing now? This game's being canceled all over the place. But the Pacific Tigers came in and played BYU, and the Cougars pulled away in the final 10 minutes of the game and won 73-51. It was a tight game and a tense game for a long time. I mean, Pacific was hanging around. They were... They were right there at, uh, what was it, 50 to 44. So with, about uh, six, about 10 minutes to go. Under, so. under 10 minutes to go, yeah. And that's when the Cougars go on the run, 23 to 7, end the game. And it's just a struggle to score. I mean, they, they defended fine. Pacific ends up with 51 points. You got no complaints about that. Pacific shoots 31%. But it's just a struggle to score. Now, ultimately, they end up with five guys in double figures. They, they get it going. Uh, Loner, two points on one for four shooting. I know everybody, you know, you wanted him, and then he changed his mind, and he was a big recruit, and BYU gets him. And he looks the part, and he rebounds, and they're playing him less. He only played 20 minutes. Gideon George coming off the bench for 20, 20 minutes. Knight came off the bench for 17. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Traore can give them. Uh, 12 points, 11 rebounds. They gave him the double-double, and they get the win. Now, the game before that, he's super quiet. The game before that, they're in Hawaii, and he absolutely goes off. So you see what a good, a great game looks like. You see what a bad game looks like, but what is it going to be night in and night out? And I know that assumes they're going to play night in and night out, but let's just go ahead and assume, okay? So what's he going to be night in and night out? And who else can shoot it besides Barcelo? Lucas hit three threes, Nell hit a couple, and they got the 73 points. And Pacific looks like the bottom half of the league. They are 5-10, and 10, they are 0-1, and, and that was a home game. So that was, I don't know, can you say easy test? That was more a quiz than a test. I mean, it's a conference game, so it's important, but they're going to have to really better. And on a night where they struggle for 30 minutes, if they'd been playing... St. Mary's is coming in on the weekend. How would that have gone? USF looks like a top half of the league their team. Their next three games. USF was well, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, if, if, it, if it happens. If it happens, yes. Because the St. Mary's game last night didn't happen. We haven't heard. No, we have heard. Pope said last night that they will he play did. that game. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So that's on ESPN 2, 8 o'clock Saturday night. So it's St. Mary's, then a trip up to Gonzaga, and then to USF. And to your point, there's three teams that ought to finish in the top half of the league. The Utes, speaking of problem scoring, they had a 14-point lead. They were sailing along. They hit a dry spot. Washington hits three quick threes, goes on a run. Actually, the run ended up being 25-5. to five. It was 9-0 or maybe it's 10-11 zip in a row there. And it all falls apart for the Utes. And that was 11 versus 12 in the Pac-12 right there. Washington was 0-1. The Utes were 1-3. So for the Utes, now 1-4, last in the Pac-12. Washington State at the Huntsman Center tomorrow at 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. 
Utah State, they're in Albuquerque. Take it on New Mexico. Scotty G will have the call. Pre-game at 5.30. The game will tip off at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Dixie State and UVU in a whack game, in-state game, a conference game. They'll be on uh, ESPN Plus tomorrow. And Big Sky, Weber State's game at Idaho State was postponed. SUU coming off a postponement last night. will host Northern Arizona in Cedar City, 5 o'clock on ESPN Plus. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. We let Antonio go today just to clear you up on some things that happened. At no point in time during that game did he ever ask his trainer or doctor about his ankle. He never went through. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So, obviously, that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right? He was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. That's the end of it. We're working on Carolina. That's the end of the story. Hopefully it ends today. Why do I think it doesn't end today? Bruce Arians wanted to end it on Sunday with he's gone, that's it. Go on and talk about the win. And yet here it is. Rebutting the story that uh, it was injury related. So the Bucks, meanwhile, trying to clinch that playoff seed. They've got the berth already set up, but how is it going to shake out as far as the one, two, three, and four seats here in the final weekend of the season? Which starts on Saturday. With the season going a week longer and with college football pretty much done except for the title game Monday night. Never miss a broadcast window if you're if, if you're the uh, if you're the NFL. They put a doubleheader on Saturday. The only surprise there is that they didn't put a triple header on Saturday. 2.30, Chiefs and Broncos on ESPN and ABC. 6.15, Cowboys and Eagles. Chiefs hoping to get the top spot. That loss last weekend hurt them. They may end up being the two seed, but they don't want to drop any lower than that. Broncos have already been eliminated. That game's on both ESPN and ABC at 2.30. Cowboys and Eagles. The Cowboys taking the loss last week to Arizona. Probably going to end up four, but they need to beat the Eagles and give themselves a chance to move up if somebody else slips. Maybe they can get up to three. The Eagles, nine and seven. And the Eagles beat the Cowboys. They are already in the playoffs, but where they will be seated remains to be seen. The game that matters in the NFC as far as in or out is the Rams and the Niners. Rams are 12-4, and four, battling for the two seed, so they got something at stake. And the Niners need a win to get in. If they lose, it opens the door. Now, the Niners can lose and back in. But the Saints, sitting there at 8-8, eight and eight, can catch the Niners. It's, it's not outrageous. Taysom Hill and the Saints get the win at Atlanta, and the Niners lose to the Rams, then New Orleans gets into the playoffs on the final day. So that's what's at stake in the NFC. Over in the AFC, Tennessee's trying to win and clinch the top spot. They're level with Kansas City at 11-5, but despite the fact they're all tied up, Tennessee's got the head-to-head win over the Chiefs, so that'll get them the top spot. Indianapolis needs to be Jacksonville to clinch a spot. 
I would assume they do that. Jacksonville is 2-14. And then the Chargers and Raiders Sunday night to see who is in and who is out. If Jacksonville lose, loses then, or excuse me, if Jacksonville upsets Indianapolis, then the Chargers and Raiders could play to a tie and both get in, which would be weird, but I don't think it comes to that. I don't think anybody serious thinks it comes to that. All right, the USFL 2.0. The USFL is back, baby. Hiring the first four coaches, Todd Haley, Kevin Sumlin, Mike Riley, Bart Andrus. Play scheduled to start in the spring. They have spring football on TV, but they're supposed to play all the games in one location. So, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Takes the handoff and just waltzes in over the left side. Tavian Thomas rushing touchdown number 21 and terrific blocking up front. Tavian Thomas' Rose Bowl touchdown there in the second quarter. He announced he will return to Utah for the 2022 season. Had early season turnover woes, wasn't getting many carries, spent a lot of time standing on the sideline. But picked it up in the second conference game, took over, made the job his, and finished with 1,100 yards and 21 touchdowns playing part of the season. Now it's now a 14-game season, so <laughs> this. There are records still around from 11 and 12 game seasons, but you got teams playing 13, 14, in some cases 15 games now. Thomas is back. Good news for the Utes. Now they know what they're doing at running back. I, I don't know that him leaving would have been awful news because the way the Utes run the ball, it seems like they would have gone into the portal and gotten somebody good and made it work. So I don't know that it would have been a big hit if Thomas is gone, but you got some certainty now because you know he can do it because you watched him do it. And he's back for one more year. The quarterback portal. Do they have their own portal, Yak? There's the transfer portal. I think we need, there's so much action. I think you need two portals. And everybody moves through one portal, and then the quarterbacks go through their own. No, we have all in one big doll, one massive. Mm -hmm. I see a tunnel. What do you see in a portal? Do you see like a Star Trek thing where they stand there and then they get beamed to another school? I think it's more of like this. You know, you ever watch Stargate, the, the, TV show. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, so I'm not either. If it's not super mainstream, borderline action Stargate adventure, I'm had not like your this guy. big circular thing that it created, like this, this, like it looked like a plasma field. They walked into it and went, they got transferred. Okay, that's kind of right. what I think of it. All right, that would work. Former Missouri quarterback Connor Bazalek is headed to Indiana to compete with Jack Tuttle. Basilac, he started Indiana. What? Basilac. Basilac. Tuttle is a former Ute who was here for half a minute or. A quarter of a semester, a few weeks. Bailed before Halloween, never played a game. He's a big recruit out of San Diego. The reason that they didn't go after Wilson. So he's in Indiana trying to make it happen. Texas A&M. Zach Calzado led the Aggies to an episode of number one. Alabama is going to Auburn to compete to be the Tigers' new starting quarterback. Bo Nix had the job there, but he left for Oregon. Can't tell the players without a program. Be a big program. Almost 1,500 guys in the transfer portal. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. You left RSL out with the press conference. They want to win big. They want... Oh, you're going to... now. Okay, now you're going to do it. Hashtag RSL. That, that puts something kind of official... Kind of official... Fire right away! They said the right things. They won the press conference. That's not the main goal. The goal is to win when you start playing games. But it is good to go out at the press conference and not step in it. 
So David Blitzer comes in. So it turns out he and Ryan Smith, if you're wondering what kind of a shotgun marriage slash partnership this is, they've known of each other for a long time. They got to know each other because of the 76ers. Uh, Blitzer's a minority owner there, and Ryan Smith said, well, you're on calls, and you get to know personalities, you get to to know people. So over the uh, little more than a year that Ryan's on the team, they've gotten to know each other a little bit. So that's the background there. And Ryan knows of uh, Blitzer because Blitzer owns a half dozen teams, and he knows about the soccer portfolio. So there's that. Uh, And Blitzer did drop, because I asked him about are you going to go out and sign designated players, or is it kind of Oakland A's money ball the way you're thinking? Or And he said blend of the two. Depends on what needs to be done at the situation, but be clear, the goal is the MLS Cup. So that's where he set the bar in his own words. And Ryan followed up with, hey, we want to win. So if you're wondering how they're going to handle this, that's what they say. Obviously, actions speak louder than words, and there'll be multiple roster decisions made going forward. And no one will. They're in the transfer window right now. Not the transfer portal. They have a window. So I can really visualize that, Yak, as opposed to the portal. But uh, Ryan did say, you know, this is a process over years. It doesn't happen in a day. You're in the middle of a window. How many guys can you get here? And, man, if you think the transfer portal is crazy in soccer, international, and, I mean, everybody in soccer talks about around the world, kickbacks, bribes. Like, you have to target four guys to get one. Because it gets out of hand when you start competing for uh, global free agents. All right, I want to bring things full circle. We're actually just seeing this come across. Adrian Wojnarowski, the Utah Jazz are planning to sign center Norvell Pell to a 10-day hardship deal. He is expected to play tonight versus Toronto. So go right back to the Utah Jazz for a moment. Well, there it is. Going full circle. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, is going to join us next. The Jazz and the Raptors tonight. What's left of the Jazz and the Raptors tonight? I would think David Locke has to do a lot more prep for to get to tonight's game. You don't have to do a lot of prep on Rudy. He's got Rudy's backstory and numbers memorized. All right, DJ and PK, David Locke is coming up next. Ryan Smith, jazz owner, majority owner of the jazz, minority owner of Real Salt Lake, is going to join us at 8 o'clock so we can talk soccer and basketball with him at that point. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus .01, but you win every game, and your net rating is plus .01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50 because when you win, you blow teams out, and when you lose, you lose by one point. Like, the wins are what matters, and that's what you've got to do. So looking at the Jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing out the wins that you do win. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke's going to join us in a minute. Ryan Smith, Jazz Majority Owner, Ralph Salt Lake Minority Owner, will join us at 8 o'clock. PK, the Jazz have had their... Full lineup for most of the year. A couple times they've missed guys. Donovan Mitchell missed a couple games. Conley's missed some, not all of the back-to-backs, some. But tonight, a different deal. This is uh, really not even going to look like the Jazz, is it? Not that we know, but, you know, I've always said, if you're going to do something, don't do it half you-know-what. Go all the way, and they're going all the way. (laughs) Don't do it half you-know-what. If you're going to sit guys and leave them in Indiana, 
Sit them all and leave them. So any of the guys who are going to play tonight, we can talk about this with David Locke in a minute, any of the guys who are going to play tonight uh, get your attention, intrigue you, or this lineup is so set it doesn't really matter? Yeah, absolutely. It intrigues me, for sure. Yeah. It's it, the reason why I watch the Summer League. Uh, you know, Azubuke had a bunch of rebounds in the Summer League. So what can he do now? I assume he's going to get more than the 16 minutes he got the other night, right? So let's see if he can use his big body because he's a massive human being for sure. Yeah. So you know, what, what, what kind of presence can he make himself be? If I'm these guys, I couldn't be more excited. Absolutely. If I'm the, guy, if I'm the guys who aren't playing, I'm just seriously miffed that tomorrow's game isn't in Miami. <laughs> okay, nice. Let's have a day off in South Florida instead of a day off in Central Indiana. Yeah, I mean, no offense to Central, Central Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, we would be offended if someone said, well, I don't want a day off in Salt Lake, I want a day off in uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco. No, I wouldn't if it's in the uh, first week of January. You uh, would understand. I, I, want yeah, a, I, mean, I want a day off in Phoenix. Yeah, you're going weather. I'm just going weather. I mean, that, Miami just happens to have the weather. Uh, so for those guys, yeah, put your feet up, relax, do what you got to do. I don't know who's going to be available tomorrow. It doesn't look like Joe and Rudy Gobert are going to be available. I'm not sure. Uh, but for the, the kids who have an opportunity to play tonight, go Wally Pip somebody. I mean, it's <laughs> unlikely that it's unlikely that it's going to happen, but that would be my mindset. So, yeah, actually, I mean, I don't expect them to win the game, but because of this circumstance, I'm still counting my 17 and three. Oh, you're taking a mulligan? I have to. Come on. <laughs> this isn't really the team. Right. If you missed it, Ingles win. is out. Gobert is out. Conley is out. Bogey is out. Mitchell is out. And Royce O'Neal, Hassan Whiteside, Jordan Clarkson, and Rudy Gay are all questionable. So, A shadow of their former selves. All right, it's time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us uh, every Friday here on the Zone Sports Network. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James, Patrick Kinahan, and I'm two of my favorite people to talk to first thing in the morning. Uh, we're great. We're at work. So am I. So are you. Apparently not all the Jazz players are. I assume that you are doing a lot more homework on the Jazz for this game than you would normally have to. I am. I mean, I think I'm going to just sit around all day and prep a lot of Trent Forrest, Malik Fitz, Jared Butler, Udoka Azabuke for the Doka Dunk. What else we got today? Elijah Hughes started his career in Eastern Carolina, then went to Syracuse. What else do you want to know? Kind of know all there is to know about these guys. There hasn't been a lot new in two years to add to the list, quite honestly. What can you tell Jazz fans about Daniel House, who just signed the 10-day contract? That way the clock doesn't start running. We've heard about it for a while, but don't sign it and don't start the clock. Uh, what, right. what do you know about him? So my instinct on this one is it actually might be a little bit more than like a 10-day contract. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't end up being a part of the roster. You know, with Mia One going, um, he's actually cheaper than Mia Oni. He's probably better than Mia Oni. Um, so he really played, he played about 75% of his possessions in Houston with Harden. 
So that tells me a few things. One, he can defend a little bit. He can he can guard because when Harden's on the floor, Harden's not guarding. So you need someone out there. Two, he can shoot it because Harden's going to create it and get it for you. He shot it about 36, 38 percent, I think, 36 predominantly percent. While in so he and he's got a great body, right? He's six six, two hundred. Like it's kind of the piece of the. That's the you know the body we don't have on our roster, so it makes sense that um, and fits us. Talking to some people around the league, they say he can dribble a little bit, he can pass. Um, this was interesting. I said to someone like, "Well, what about defensively?" Like, oh, he's not going to matter defensively. You have Gobert. What do you need?" I said, "Well, give me like Joe." Bills. He's like, "Oh, way better." Boy, I'm like, "Oh, so like, He's like, "Way better." I was like, "Royce O'Neal." He's like, "Better." And I was like, "Whoa!" Like Royce O'Neal's our best defender, so. Um, so that leads me to believe that if he can kind of assimilate and get what we're doing and got his head screwed on right and is, is all lined up, that he might be here for longer than just a 10-day contract. So you'd rather have house than more roster flexibility at the trade deadline? Uh, we were, I don't know that you need more than one spot at the deadline. But okay. maybe, I mean, you know, so what? If you do a three-for-one deal and you want to keep all the players and you have to release house, then you just release house. Right. Right. That the well, yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking, do you think that House might be better for what they need than what they could get out there? Um, he might be. I've played a lot of minutes. He did not have very good playoff runs um, against us. He had one decent playoff series against um, Oklahoma City, and then out of four, one against the Warriors. But he's been there, right? He's played those moments. Um. Yeah, I, I really think it's probably a question of uh, roster buyout. I, I, I don't see us being able to do an awful lot of the trade deadline. Maybe I'm wrong. Danny's, you know, Danny, Justin's always been very aggressive. Danny's been very creative. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't see the trade deadline super interesting this year because with the play in, 20 of 30 teams now make the playoffs. So suddenly 24 of 30 teams think they're in it. And then the teams at the top, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Nets, um, the Bucks a little bit, have very little roster flexibility and very few kind of chips to throw in the middle of the table to make deals right now. And so I, I, I'll be curious to see. I mean, there's these massive names floating around, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard, probably in the wrong order, um, of players that might make a really big impact. But on the other end, it's, it's hard for me to figure out, like, how anyone's acquiring any of them. You know, Jeremy Grant is probably a first-round draft pick and maybe a young player. Like, we're probably not doing that. Like, our first-round draft picks get pretty deep in there to a level where we're not going to have any idea what our roster is, and that's a pretty risky move. So I guess the biggest thing then would be who wants to unload money, because you're talking basketball deals. But what about money deals? I think 14 teams are over the luxury tax number. Six teams are over it by $15 million or more. So there's a chance the Jazz would move a salary, take back a deal someone considers bad, you know, a longer deal, and, but get a good young player who's inexpensive in the process. That's been done before. Do you think that kind of deal could be looming out there? I can't, I can't see us taking on salary. We're pretty far into the luxury tax. I, I, I actually could see us making a subtle another Mia Oni move. Like, that Mia Oni savings the other day, maybe it doesn't move the meter for a jack, you know, a fan, and I get it. I wouldn't really care either. But for the books, like, I think they saved close to $2.5 million, right? 
by releasing Oni. If it's so your two and a half million, if it's your two and a half million dollars, that would get your that would get your attention. Two and a half million dollars is a lot. So yeah, maybe Ryan Smith's worth whatever, but he's not throwing. We're not throwing away two point five million dollars for players that don't play. Like I'm really glad Trent Forrest has played well because Trent Forrest, though the rules changed a little bit with the two A, Trent Forrest was coming up on something. Maybe this. He could make himself a million, but it was going to cost the team like three and a half. And my reaction was like, I really like Trent Forrest. I think he's really good. He's not worth three and a half. I'm going to let him go. I think he's actually earned himself a spot in a way that's really nice to see. But, like, you know, quite frankly, there's some other guys on the roster that, you know, it's it's a tough call when it suddenly gets down to the, for no production at all, you're paying three million. That's a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Uh, how much do you think? I don't want to go too crazy, but this is Azubuke's chance to show what he has. Yeah, I'm just really feel as though the world has conspired against his development, uh, and so I don't have high hopes. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, he comes out of the draft. I got my timing right. He comes out of the draft in the COVID, the COVID year, right? That that he's the COVID class. The, the first, so there's no workouts, there's no summer league, there's virtually no training camp, there's really no G League. There's the G League bubble, which he gets hurt in immediately. Like last year's an utter complete waste. The most impressive thing to me about him in sense of growth is that his body was actually all right last night. This, the book on him, as big as he is, is that every time he's been hurt or been off the court for an extended period of time, understandably, he gains a little weight, and then he's got, he has to really work to get back in shape. I mean, I thought he looked like he could have died, but he was at altitude against Nikola Jokic, so five minutes in, I didn't think it was a bad thing he looked like he was going to die. I actually was impressed that he went that long. So, um, But then you, then you look at like this offseason, he's rehabbing the ankle, he's now back into, like, he goes into G League, he gets hurt again. Like, he just hasn't had a chance He's got so much development. He is not a second jump player. He's not a multiple action player. There's so much he has to learn. He's not great laterally going back on the pick and roll. And he just hasn't had a chance to do it. I, I'm not going to put this as a litmus test on where he is as a player or judge. I mean, it's a great chance, yes. But I'm not going to put a great – it would be like judging you in physics – but we didn't give you the textbook, and we only let you go to one class, and then you got pulled out of the other classes, and by the way, here's the final, and we're going to judge whether you're smart or not. So, yeah, probably not a great test. It's not, they didn't draft him based on those judgments. They drafted him because they thought they saw something in him. Yeah. Yeah. He just hasn't had a chance to show it, I guess. Butler had all the fans fired up in the preseason, and you can see him beat people off the dribble, but then there's a whole hesitancy. Does he take a shot? Does he pass the ball? And the defense gets reset, and everything sticks, and screams a guy who needs more reps. It's what the G League is there for. Do you think he's gotten enough out of that, or are you going to repeat the, uh, the as no, a good answer? I, I, I think he's having more of a traditional rookie year that's been actually productive, right? He went through a little bit of a training camp. He got a lot of preseason games. He then got a rude awakening. 
he's gone through the stretch where he's been to have to think. He's thinking all the time. I think he's probably confused of why he doesn't play. Right? He's coming with a bundle of confidence. He's the final. He's the MVP of the Final Four. He thinks he should be playing. He still doesn't. You know, still confused what happened draft night. Like it's been a really hard stretch for this kid. But I think he's used the G League well. He still has an array of skills. He's still small. Um, you know, but he has, I think, used some really good developmental time. And tonight's probably a night for him. And it's going to be interesting because actually this is the worst matchup these kids could ever have. Like, if you're going to tell me one of 29 teams that you have to go up against as a young player who doesn't quite know the speed of the league yet, this would be the worst one. They're all 6'8", 220. They're all crazy fast. They're all crazy long. They trap. They come from every direction. They do everything that's athletic. They force turnovers and grab offensive rebounds. This is as bad a matchup as you can have if you're trying to find your footing in the NBA. How intrigued are you to see what Clay Thompson can do when he comes back as they're talking Sunday? I mean, that's the story of the – it's interesting, right? So is there a debtor time in the NBA to January 15th to, like, March 15th? And yet, in the next two months, we could have Clay – with that Kyrie return, we could have Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and Jamal Murray all come back. That, that's the story in the next two months. The West right now is three teams. And let's give credit to Memphis for being in the conversation. And it's actually, you know, the race is on for one. We're, what, two games back from Phoenix, one game back from the Warriors now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the race is on for one. If we survive this this health and safety protocol stretch and not go too far back in, in this upcoming probably two weeks of players being in and out all the time. And if we do, then it's this race for one. Well, I actually think the race for one – to become even more important than ever before because let's give Memphis credit, say they hold it four, Dallas is five, you know, Denver is six with Jamal Murray and the Clippers are seven with Kawhi Leonard. Like, I want one. What did you think of the small ball lineup against Denver? I realize it may be a while before we see the whole team together. We'll have to see how this plays out. But... That was an extended stretch. You would think Jokic could really punish a small ball lineup. Now, granted, he doesn't have enough around him. But what'd you think? Was that it looked like the best to me? The best that that group has performed. What are, What are your expectations for it in the second half of the season? So I thought the interesting one, frankly, was that I was. I almost think that they were kind of like done with it, right? It had been pretty, pretty awful, and I actually thought that they might have been at the point where they were done with it. We're not, we're not going back to it. So I kind of love and thought that how, you know, forced innovation, right? So they did it, and they finally figured out how to play offensively. More than defensively, they have been really terrible offensively with that lineup for the last, um, you know, in all those times. They were in the zero percentile offensively in what they, in what they were doing. Wait one second, guys. Love you. Have a good trip. Thank you. Um, uh, I love you, too, okay. Um, you have a good trip. Are you going to St. George to play golf? Because she's going to LA to play golf. So, what, are you are you jealous, or are you going to St. George to play golf? Okay. So she should have gone to St. George with you to play golf. Well, if, I, if I trusted my 16 year old daughter with you, I guess somebody already. I guess you already are raising one, so I probably should trust you with one also. Uh, yeah, trust me till I pull my hair out. But yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, should I have? Should you and you and Jackie want another kid for a little while? You can, like, take, take her down, play a little golf better 
Yeah. Thanks you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, David. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to back to the five out lineup. Um, I, you know, I really think that when they they got forced into it, and what was happening, Ron Boone was talking about this the whole time on the air. It was really interesting. You think of five out as having like all this space, right? Well, you actually have no space on the perimeter because you have five out. And we had nobody could drive, nobody could get anywhere. Guys were standing shoulder to shoulder. And finally, Royce O'Neal and Boyan and others started cutting and moving. And that opened up that offense a little more. It's very different than what we're used to, right? And so it's a hard adjustment. And it, I, the question is really going to be whether they can implement an entirely different offense and get them to figure out how to play that way, you know, without Rudy Gobert setting picks or Hassan Whiteside setting picks, which is the basis of everything else we run. He's David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz. He's got to go do more prep to get ready for a Jazz lineup that's going to look very different tonight in Toronto. Do you think I'm most of the... I'm going to prep the way PK does from, not from not 10, from noon to 4 every day. All right. All right. Thank you, David. See ya. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break right now. Ryan Smith, jazz majority owner and now minority owner in Rail Salt Lake. He will join us coming up in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klipkoff said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. We'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us, you know, it's a building year, you know, but, but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. Unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. This week's Raider game against the Chargers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. PK, is there enough drama in this last NFL weekend for you, or do you just want to hit fast forward and get to the playoffs already? Well, usually this time of year, we're used to playoffs. Right. It's obviously being pushed back a week. But, yeah, I could still live with it. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders and Chargers, who's going to get it in? And you never know, man. Maybe they win a game. Maybe they win two games. Maybe they get bombed in a first round. But, sure, yeah. The NFL, it, I mean, it, it, it's as big as it gets. So, absolutely, there's enough intrigue. And teams who are uh, – you know, they're in, but maybe they haven't been playing as well. Can they get some more momentum? Like the Cowboys, right? That loss last week to the Cardinals was completely and totally out of left field. So don't they want to get some momentum? So you look at it from that perspective, sure, there's plenty of intrigue. Back in the division where they haven't lost this year, they're 500 outside the division, 500-ish, but they are unbeaten inside the division. They got the Eagles Saturday night. I was really struck between the difference between college football and pro football. You know, pro football, 
It's not that they don't have the problems and make their mistakes. Man, they extend the season by a week, and that was years in the making. But they see an open Saturday, they find a TV partner, and they plop two games in there and make more money. <laughs> they just and, and college football, and, and may, everything's got to be done by committee, but don't the NFL owners have to act as a committee? And it's not that things never leak because they do. It just seems like the NFL's a well-oiled machine. When it comes to making money, they don't miss too many beats. We got Ryan Smith coming up, right? Yeah. And in the last 15 months or so, he's made significant investments, one more so than the other, but I don't discount the amount of money that he has to do for RSL. So what that is telling me is these people who are brilliant, and I have to assume he's got a level of intelligence that probably supersedes me. (laughs) (laughs) And so he has decided that it's worth his time, his money, his energy to invest in sports. Because sports, it's not going away. It's just getting bigger and bigger. RSL's a little down on the totem pole, but that doesn't matter. I mean, everything is down on the totem pole compared to the NFL, right? We'd all agree with that. But yet he sees this as a viable opportunity that he wants to be a part of. So you take it up another notch or two, obviously, at the NFL, and they see that they are just sitting on this massive business and it is a machine and it cranks out money and all this type of stuff here in terms of putting these games on. I would imagine these games that you just spoke of, particularly the Cowboy game on Saturday night, there's going to be a lot of folks watching. Now, I realize it's the Cowboys and they got a massive fan base. But nevertheless, sports, if you want to make money, seems like that's the place to go. <laughs> You know, for a long time, there was the thing, you know, how do you become a, uh, how does an NFL owner become a, or how does any pro sports owner become a millionaire? Well, you start with a billion dollars, you know, and the joke was you were going to lose. But as you watch people buy into multiple, and there are multiple owners buying into multiple teams, well, they must not all be losing money. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, if you want to buy one, you got a lot of money, and this is your grown-up sandbox. You know, some people buy a yacht, and you want to buy a team. Okay. And I think that was the mentality for a long time. But when you start seeing people acquiring the second, the third, the fourth, I mean, Stan Kroenke, who just moved the Rams from St. Louis to L.A., built a stadium, settled a lawsuit in St. Louis, also owns the the NBA and NHL teams, the Avalanche and the Nuggets in Denver, and he also owns the Major League Soccer team in Colorado. And he also owns Arsenal in the English Premier League. I mean, he's not buying all of those just to have a team and have fun. He's, he's got it figured out. Yeah, is, is he the one who's married to the Walmart here? Yep. Yes. Yes, he is. Wow. He's that's... got a pile of money, and she's got a pile of money, and together that's an enormous pile of money. But I don't think they're just doing it frivolously. I'm doing, I think Agreed. even though Agreed. they've got Agreed. a ton of money, they're doing it for a purpose. Right. You might have one team because you love the sport and you love being an owner, and, it, and it's, you know, it's doing what it does, but you, you, don't, you don't go out and buy second, third, and fourth teams. I mean, in his case, what is that's at least five. He might yeah. have more I don't know about, but those are the five I know about. So, all right, well, we'll talk with uh, Ryan Smith. Why did he want to? I mean, he already took on the Jazz, which is a big challenge in its own right. Why does he want to get in on uh, RSL and where does he see it going? We will talk with him coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone.